Man, what a weekend that was. It was crazy. We had a lot of stuff going on. We got a rainy Monday to talk about it. Welcome in, everybody. It is I, the Man of Steel, along with Parker Thune here on Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, hour number one, as usual, presented by Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. If you need to get the AC tuned up, well, now's the time to do it. Get it working. Get it going before the uh, real heat of the summer gets here. I know we've been in the 90s already, but it's going to get even worse. You know that. Get your AC ready to run at the right level, 405-579-3113. You can call up Tim Lasher and his great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. All right, over the weekend, the OU women's softball team wins. They dominate their regional. They beat A&M 20 to nothing yesterday. A&M does not buy softball players, apparently, because the Sooner women dominate. They'll host UCF in a regional uh, beginning on Friday over at Marina Hines Field. So we'll get ready for that. That'll be the first game. will be an afternoon game at 3.30 on ESPN2 against UCF. OU Baseball wins two out of three in uh, Lubbock. And uh, the Sooner women uh, win, and they will uh, host that regional again. The Super Regional on Friday, the uh, baseball squad, Skip Johnson and company, will take on West Virginia. They're seated third in the Big 12 Baseball Tournament, which starts again for Oklahoma. On uh, Wednesday, 7.30, Big 12 Baseball at Globe Life Field in Arlington. They will play the winner of the uh, matchup between Tech and K-State, the 3-7 matchup in round two. Always always refreshing. I, I imagine it has to be refreshing when you go to Lubbock and win a series. Because yes. imagine making that trip to Lubbock to lose. Yes, Lubbock is, is not a good place, in my opinion. Oklahoma State and Texas will play the early game in the Big 12 tournament Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. And also uh, in that bracket, TCU and Baylor will be the next matchup. Oklahoma State in the winner's column or in the loser's bracket. Sooners again will get either Tech or K-State in round two. Uh, and we'll see if Oklahoma can advance with a win over West Virginia in the opening round Wednesday night. NCAA golf begins on Friday. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the NCAA championship starting Friday at Greyhawk in Scottsdale, Arizona. Ryan Hibble again, his number one Sooners, won the regional, played well, particularly in the uh, final round and carries some momentum, obviously, heading into the uh, NCAA championship in Scottsdale at Greyhawk. We've got uh, Oklahoma State also hosting a Super Regional in softball against Clemson this weekend. The other matchups, Mississippi State hosting Arizona. you got Texas at Arkansas, Northwestern at Arizona State. Duke at UCLA, Florida at Virginia Tech, Oregon State at Stanford. You had Florida State losing over the weekend. You had Alabama losing over the weekend. Tennessee also lost. So uh, the bracket looking pretty good. Maybe we can get Bedlam. Maybe we can get Bedlam at Hall of Fame Stadium in the Women's College World Series, which will be a week from uh, this Thursday. PGA, Justin Thomas beats Will Zalatoris in a three-hole playoff. JT winning the PGA for the second time. I thought Southern Hills did a great job. Obviously, there was some horrible weather on Saturday. Tiger blew up 79, withdrew from his final round, which I thought was the right move. But JT, man, that tee shot on uh, 17 was a big one in the playoff. He wins again over Will Zalatoris, but it was Mito Pereira's PGA to win, and the golf gods, they it was a veto on Mito <laughs> on the 18th tee. That was one of the worst swings I've ever you, seen you under could, pressure by Mito Pereira. Yeah, I mean, you could just tell, right, that was a rookie. Yeah. That was a rookie trying to win a major, and the pressure just got to him. 
That's a mistake that you only make once. Yeah. But it's not totally surprising that Mito Pereira made it. Where do the big mishaps that cost you majors happen, and how do they happen? Usually it's with a driver on 18, see Phil Mickelson at the U.S. Open, or a errant iron shots at number 12 at Augusta. Those are the places where you lose major championships. But, you know, I was thinking, man, we can't have Southern Hills with Mito Pereira as the champion. Come on. We can't have that. I texted a buddy of mine, Eddie Radosevich, and I said, JT's about to win this. And JT did win it. JT came through, and uh, Zalatoris is a player that can win some majors, but JT, that was a big win. So two Wanamaker trophies now for Justin Thomas and his career. Uh, but I thought Southern Hills did an excellent job. I did feel bad, though, for Mito Pereira well, You can't help but feel yeah. bad for him. I mean, you're that close. Three wood. I, you know, some people said, you know what, I didn't question it. He'd been working on that shot. He hadn't had a problem with it. But, again, three wood. Right there in the water, and you knew. All right. It's going to take a miracle for him to uh, to make bogey here probably even make bogey here and uh, get to the playoff. But to me, Parker, the news we got to start with today is OU football. Ashton Cozart commits to Oregon, and he basically shut it down with a tweet, right? Like, I'm done. It's over. I'm going to Oregon. Yeah, so that happened. Man, not a total (laughs) surprise. What was more surprising was the way he basically slammed the door. Well, here's here's what you can say about that situation, right? We didn't really have much of an inkling until about a week ago that Ashton Cozart was looking around. Uh, he'd been very pro-OU on social media. Uh, he's real tight with Jackson Arnold. And I, I was among those who figured, Mike, that, okay, this will all blow over. Ashton Cozart was going to commit to Oklahoma under the old staff. His mind didn't change with the new staff. He'd been all OU for... Well over a year. And for a while it was a question of, well, is Oklahoma going to have enough room at the wide receiver position in 2023 to take Ashton Cozart? Well, one thing leads to another. You have a couple decommitments, Brandon Ennis, Mikhail Lemon, et cetera. That opens up room for Cozart, and he was going to be the cornerstone of this class of the wide receiver position. And lo and behold, Mike, Dan Lanning steals one from Brent Venables. And at the end of the day, you get it. Right, you understand it's not necessarily something that Sooner fans will agree with. A lot of them don't agree with it. And you said but he has ties to that area. He does. He grew up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, hails from Spanaway, Washington. So he's familiar with the area. And I don't know. Like, here's here's the deal, Mike. It's been a lot of speculation that NIL was heavily involved in the decision. And I don't know that for a fact. I don't want to act as if I do know it for a fact. But that's kind of the prevailing thought. It's a combination of familiarity with him being from the PNW and NIL money coming into play. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise, surprise, right? I'm surprised by it. I think a lot of folks are taken aback by it, especially with how quickly it all transpired. Uh, He didn't even confirm that the visit to Oregon was occurring until last Thursday. And then, boom, 72 hours later. He's flipped and completely shut it down. Tyler and I were talking about this uh, early this morning, and Tyler is of the opinion that he was kind of trying to sneak that visit past OU. Do you think that's the case, perhaps? Mm. 
It's hard to do it's, that it's, in this well, day that, and age. That is the that is the thing. It it might seem easy in theory to do that. That is much easier said than done, Mike. Because there are just so many ways that that information can leak. Now I will say, the one school that has been very very good about keeping information to themselves and not letting stuff like that leak is Oregon. Because you think back even to some of the commitments that they got last cycle in the class of 2022. Everybody thought Cam Williams was going to Texas. He announced for Oregon. Everybody thought Kelvin Banks was going to Texas A&M. He committed to Oregon, although he ultimately did end up back at Texas. I'm trying to think. There were several other. Uh, Landon, and now I'm blanking on his last name. I don't usually do this. Usually when I blank on somebody's name, I blank on it completely, and I can't remember their first or their last Just name. Just wait about 30 years. I know. Yeah. So they, It's literally on the tip of my tongue. I can't figure There was another four-star safety uh, that everybody figured was going to be a, uh, a Longhorn and ended up committing to Oregon instead. So there's if there is a school that has mastered the art of subterfuge in recruiting, it is the Ducks. But – once word got out that Ashton Kozart was, in fact, taking this visit, all the momentum started to roll in the Ducks' direction, and it culminates in the flip. So now, now, now OU has no committed wide receivers in the class of 2023. Are they going to be knock, 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 knocking on Cole Adams' door? Well, let's hope so. Landon Hullaby, that's who I was thinking of. Landon Hullaby. All right. Uh, they, they still haven't offered Cole Adams, Mike. Still hasn't happened. Okay. Um, the situation with Ashton Cozart when he came out and, you know, the word got out that it was happening, and then he tweeted out on his account, you know, I'm finished, done, no DMs or whatever. Did a bunch of OU fans get after him or something? Or you know that's going to happen oh, to yeah. a certain extent. Okay. What do you think about the people who tweet at recruits? Now, again, if you're going to say congratulations, young man, good luck, something like that, I don't have a problem with it. But if you're coming back at a 17-, 18-year-old kid and dogging them for your decision, something's wrong with your medulla oblongata. As a general rule, just don't tweet at recruits. That's the easiest principle to live by. Just don't do it. Because then you don't end up looking like a buffoon. Well, like I said, if somebody, you know, quote tweets, hey, good luck, you know, whatever, uh, I don't have a huge problem with it, but it is a little creepy for older men to tweet at recruits. It's just, is it just me or is it you too? I mean, you're an older man, Mike, so you yes, tell me. Yes, I don't tweet at recruits. I might retweet somebody who commits or something like that, but I'm never going to say, nice job, you know. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Don't be naive. Cozart said it was a business decision. Subscribing to recruiting info was losing its value. Recruiting will move to eBay. <laughs> That's actually the, the last line's actually pretty good there, though. Not bad. Why did you give that guy redneck voice? He could be a legitimate scholar. You never know. But I will say, you know, this is the one area, and I don't want to be slippery slope steely again, but where will Brent's philosophy work long-term? And, in a, you know, back in my day, it would have worked just fine. And it's not like OU is ignoring 
NIL. They're not, but they aren't, again, well, they don't appear what, Mikey, to be at the sure big It seems table. like they're ignoring it to me. I think what OU is at the smaller poker table and Jimbo Fisher and uh, the Longhorns and some of these, they're, they've got more chips at the table. You know, and who knows if they're going to end up, you know, taking that table down one one day. The NCAA certainly doesn't look like it's going to be doing that anytime soon based on their lack of power right now. But will that work long term? I know a lot of people say, well, you can find 25 kids or whatever, unlimited, you know, when, however long that's going to be, a couple of years, I guess, where you can oversign. Uh, you can find kids, enough kids to do that. But can you find enough four and five star kids to do that? That's my question. I, I hope that they can, and I think that, you know, people are right. That means the kids are really 100% bought in and committed to how you're approaching things. But kids these days, man, they want theirs. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. And if I was at that age, I'd probably want mine too. One more text. Older guys who tweet at recruits are the same ones who wear jerseys with players' names on the back. Is there any, is there anything wrong with that? Like I'm not a jersey guy, but mm-hmm. I've never considered it weird. Um I don't know. I can I don't know. I kind of have mixed feelings about that. Of course, but, everybody's you know, gotta, everybody's going to have to buy a general booty jersey. I've now. got a Vince Carter old school Raptors jersey. It's kind of just a throwback deal, but but tweeting at recruits particularly negatively that to me is you got a problem if you're doing that. Too much time on your hands or a problem. In my opinion, my opinion's usually right 51% of the time. All right, when we get back, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk a little more college football. Chris Plank had uh, Chris Vanini on from The Athletic, really good writer for The Athletic, talking about issues in college football, and he also offered up an opinion on the Sooners and Brent Venables. We'll get to that when we get back here on The Ref. Okay, welcome back. Jimbo Fisher, by the way, reiterated in an interview with a uh, San Antonio TV station over the weekend, KSATS, that the Aggies are not cheating. Well, it is legalized cheating, a form of legalized cheating. If it's legal, is it cheating? I don't know. I don't know. That, That may be a misnomer, you know, to say it's legalized cheating. But it appears to me to be close to that but again i'm not a very smart man welcome back into monday ladies and gentlemen we have a injured warrior this man is more courageous than tiger woods gutting out round two to make the weekend at southern hills parker thune with a broken elbow and a biking incident over the weekend do tell yes so i tell you what mike i decided to take a vacation day on friday As our regular listeners do know, I was not in the office on Friday. I was up in Arkansas with my dad and my brother. My brother just graduated high school. Obviously, I just graduated with my master's degree. And so uh, the three of us decided to go on a biking excursion to Bentonville, Arkansas, the mountain biking capital of the world, right? Really? Isn't that Walmart headquarters also? It is also Walmart headquarters. Yes, Walmart and mountain biking. That's what Bentonville, Arkansas is known for. So we get up there. uh, We rent three bikes naturally, as three men do. And we have this Airbnb, stay there on Thursday night, get up Friday morning to go out biking. And we've been out on the trails for about an hour on Friday morning, Mike, when 
We're going over a series of jumps. It's a blue trail, so we're not talking like Black Diamond here. It's nothing too It's like terrifying. the intermediate trail. Yeah, exactly. Intermediate. It's not like, what do they call them, the bunny trails? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not that, but it's also not like a Black Diamond. So there's some uh, skill and there's some technical stuff involved, but it is nothing that's too horrifically dangerous, I suppose. We're going over a series of jumps. And, of course, with how high these ridges are, you can't see over the next one when you're at the bottom of the ridge, right? So I'm in between jumps, and I come up, and I make the second-to-last jump in this series. And I, on the other side, there is a maintenance crew along the trail trimming the grass with string trimmers, edge, like all this all this stuff that you're just like, why, why is this happening on a bike trail? You know, I, I'm in the wilderness. Why Why is there this much yeah. maintenance going on what? in the middle of the yeah, wilderness? That's but it crazy. Was, it, so that in and of itself was a little bit weird. But obviously, I see them as I am in the air, right? And they're like right in front of they you? They are in the path. And so I'm like, shoot, I need to slow down or get out the way, find some way not to run over this dude holding a string trimmer for his sake and mine. So as I hit the ground, I try to slow down. Uh, the back wheel of the bike lifts, it throws me over the handlebars, and I land on my left shoulder, end up with a broken bone in my elbow. All that to say, there's an NIL analogy in there somewhere. Wow, that's crazy. That is that is why I'm in a soft splint and a sling today. Kids, that uh, proves th- two things that I have uh, talked about for years. Number one, don't exercise. It's all a lie. Uh, There are no benefits to strenuous exercise. Number two, don't exercise on vacation. Vacation especially because instead of enjoying a post-round soda or adult beverage, (laughs) Parker Thune is in the emergency room in Bentonville, freaking Arkansas, right? And how long did that take you to get all patched up? Oh, it was a couple hours. Went from uh, one urgent care room that didn't have... Uh, an x-ray machine to another one that was down in Fayetteville, which is about 25, 30 minutes away. Uh, got the x-ray. It's an, uh, it's a non-displaced fracture, so nothing too severe, thankfully. Could have been a lot worse with how fast I was going on the bike. How like, long are you going to be in the sling, though? Uh, until Friday. Oh, okay. Get the sling well, off good. on Friday. And then they said total recovery time is four to six weeks, something like that. But I'll be able to move my arm freely again pretty soon. I think Jordy Ball returns to uh, dominance before you do. That's my prediction. Really? Yes. You don't think they're going to shut her down? No, I think she's got a chance. They can't shut me down. No, you're, at least, you know, your uh, elbow is not required for your job, which is a good thing. Uh, right? Well, except for running this board. It makes it, a little, it. it makes it a little <laughs> more difficult. It makes it uh, – there's a uh, – Well, and here's the thing, too. I'm left-handed, so the injury is to my dominant arm. For most people, it would be their non-dominant arm. For me, it is the dominant arm, which means I've, have, I've had to do everything with my offhand the last three days. So you should, uh, you know, it's we're we're living in a society that's all based on litigation, right? So you should shoot, uh, sue the maintenance worker. <laughs> no, he was nice. He Did he like, try and help you? Oh yeah, he. Did tried you to, ask he, him what uh, he was doing there, right no, in the middle like, of the trail? Like, listen, it's it's not his fault. 
It's clearly can, his fault. Get yourself a good he's just, injury he's just lawyer. He's trying to do his job. You take him for all he's worth, man, is what you do. That's what America's all about. Actually, I wouldn't do that, but yeah. Well, uh, all right. Well, at least Friday you'll be out of the sling, so that's good. Okay, uh, Chris Plank, Plank Show today. They had Chris Vanini on, really good college football writer for The Athletic. And uh, he talked a little bit about, well, what's going on with the NIL and the current state of uh, what's happening there. We'll get to that in a second. But first, he talked about uh, Brent Venables in Oklahoma. What are Chris Vanini's thoughts about Oklahoma moving forward now with Brent Venables as head coach? Yeah, he's brought a lot of energy that I think is needed at this time, especially losing Lincoln Riley and with the plan moved to the SEC. He's a guy who knows you know, the, the intricacies of, of how these things work. And he's a coach who I think is prepared to take that team into the SEC and, and, and live in that world, essentially. And, yeah, there's been all, all sorts of positive vibes around the program. And that, that's often the case for a new head coach. But uh, to, to, to have that positive feeling from the fan base coming off the heartbreak of, of Lincoln Riley leaving, that's a good thing. Now, this first year may be a struggle. It may take a little bit of time to get back to, to where he wants to be considering the player losses. But I, I think you have to feel pretty good about uh, where things are going right now. All right, Chris Vanini from The Athletic, uh, one of their best college football writers, and uh, they've got a bunch of good ones, and uh, Chris is excellent. But this is what Chris said about the current issue with college football. Everybody's talking about the portal. Everybody's talking about the NIL and how it's going to affect college football because right now it's it's definitely the wild, wild west. So here's what he said about the, uh, the big problem right now with college football and name image likeness. We're just waiting to see if the NCAA will actually do anything or not. Everybody's waiting to see if the NCAA – everybody's kind of calling the NCAA's bluff. You've got states like Illinois, I think Missouri – are now saying that schools can directly help facilitate NIL deals and in some ways kind of bring a collective's work in-house almost. But at the same time, the NCAA says a couple weeks ago, you can't, your boosters or collectives can't have any contact with recruits over recruiting inducements and stuff like that. So... Even if you've got kids signing contracts and the contracts themselves don't say there's an inducement, you're already having contact. Like, that's not allowed. That's the basis of everything here. That's where the, the ultimate, that's where the crux of the issue is here, is, is that none of it's allowed, technically by the NCAA rules. Clearly, it's, it's happening in, in broad daylight. So is the NCAA going to do something or not? And a lot of people don't think they are. Some people wonder, and so at this point, we just wait. Does the NCAA investigate somebody? Do they deliver penalties? That's what we're waiting for. There you go. When the rules are ambiguous, guess what? People will cheat because they're people, and the rules are pretty ambiguous, although one of them was supposed to be pretty cut and dry, and that was you cannot use name, image, likeness, to get recruits as an inducement as an inducement to come to your school 
That was for, again, people coming to your school, and then they get an NIL deal. Spencer Rattler had one last year. Caleb Williams had one last year. Unfortunately, Gabe Burkich had the freaking burrito but deal. We, we, ain't using a, we ain't using NIL inducements to get kids to Texas A&M. We ain't doing Jimbo that. sure is talking about it a lot, but uh, because people are questioning his reputation. And again, look, A&M, they're, they're collective. They figured things out, and unless somebody steps in, can you go back retroactively and say, all right, A&M, guess what? You're going on two years probation. Probably not. But, um, you know, to me, it's, it's, uh, it was supposed to be pretty cut and dry that that is not a way to get recruits to your campus is by securing. And we talked about this a long time ago, that what was probably going to happen is somewhere, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, Tuscaloosa, College Station, Hey, we've got a car dealer man here that wants to give you five hundred grand a year to come here. Listen, Mike. It's, so once you it, get signed up here, then you've got an NIL deal. Mike, it's disrespectful and despicable to act as though recruits <laughs> are coming to College Station for NIL deals and NIL deals only. They want that eight and four momentum heading into next season, right? And, it is about uh, the culture. It is about the tradition. It is about the entire experience of playing football at Texas A&M. That is why they were able to sign the greatest recruiting class of all time five months after NIL legislation took effect. Crazy how that works, right? All right, we're going to take a break right here. Let's do a complete segment with all of your texts coming up. And uh, you know the Air Comfort Solutions text line. It's pretty easy to get in touch with us, 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439 and the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll get to nothing but your texts. What do you think about creepy old men tweeting at recruits? In favor or not in favor? What do you think about Jimbo Fisher still? He said that A&M, one, one of the 11 new signees, uh, got an NIL deal, has an NIL deal. So he says it's all BS. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear, but it's pretty clear. There's a lot of money with A&M football. All right, we'll get to your text when we get back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune. It's Monday on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Here we go into the uh, world of the Air Comfort Solutions text line on a Monday. Hope your Monday's going along well. Man, it's, uh, it's overcast. It's rainy. It's, uh, it's going to be cool again today. Man, we got uh, a bunch of Oklahoma weather at Southern Hills for the PGA, did we not? I mean, that was crazy. You had, uh, you know, sunshine, you know, overcast, wind. Saturday was miserable for a lot of people out there. If you didn't uh, pack the right clothing, it was miserable for Tiger, too. Nearly shot. I thought he was going to shoot 80-plus, but he came home in 79 and then said, you know what, I'm going home. No reason for him to play the uh, final round. So, uh, anyway, J.T. Wentz, Justin Thomas, I thought it was an exciting finish. It was on its way to a very mediocre, uh, anticlimactic finish at Southern Hills if Mito Pereira had cruised home, but he did not with the Aaron T. shot on 18, opening the door for uh, J.T. and Will Zalatoris, and they got into the uh, playoff. And I like the aggregate playoff, by the way. I like the three-hole playoff. That's, that's a cool deal. And uh, I thought Southern Hills did uh, a very good job. 
of uh, showing itself to be a very worthy course. Five under par winning. Man, it sounds like a U.S. Open, but it was uh, it was a good time for everybody in Tulsa. Kerry Cosby and the crew up there did an excellent job at Southern Hills. Okay, let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, here on this Monday edition of Steel Man and Thune. Are you ready? Oh, boy. <laughs> Michael from OKC says, Worst crash and burn, Parker in Arkansas or Pereira? The latter loses out on $1.8 million, five-year exemption, PGA for life. Ouch. Yeah, the biggest collapse ever was uh, Jean Vandeveld at the Open Championship, but that one uh, was was pretty bad. But Vandeveld still is at the top of Everest. But Do tell was... me the Jean Vandeveld story. What year was this? John Vandeville, was that the 99 uh, Open Championship, I believe, or the 2000 Open? Years ago, it was at Carnoustie, and he had a three-shot lead in the final hole, pulled driver, and uh, triple bogeyed the hole, had to go to a playoff, and lost. It was uh, Paul Lawry who won, came back from 10 shots back on Sunday. Justin Thomas uh, came from eight back yesterday. After he bogeyed the third hole, he was eight shots back, but Vandeville just go YouTube John Vandeveld. He did in okay, the, I will. the uh, burn. Is that what it was called? The there was like a water area that looks like a. Uh, I don't know. It looks. How would I describe it? He first of all he hit his drive way right, I believe, in the rough, and then his second shot landed in the watery area that was concrete, and there were stones in there and everything. It was kind of. I don't know how to describe it, but it was a total disaster. Mike, I've heard you mention your dad and his passion for OU football. Wondering if you've got a good or funny story about how your dad might have handled a tough OU loss. My old man didn't take losses too well. The only time I ever heard profanity from my dad was watching OU football. Just wondering about yours. Um, my dad was the greatest dad of all time, and but kind of a similar story. He hardly ever cursed at all. I don't think I heard three or four. And... Usually it would have been if Texas made a big play or Oklahoma State made a, made a big play. Those were the two games that got on him. And uh, I do remember my dad had a very dry sense of humor, but he was really funny when he decided he wanted to be funny. And one of his lines I used for an inspiration for an uncle bit was when he said, I'd rather lose to Iraq than Oklahoma State. And that was when the Les Miles beatdown in Stillwater was happening. And he said that, and I said, oh, okay, I'm going to have to remember that for Uncle Inspiration right there because that definitely sounds like something Uncle would say. But uh, for the most part, you know, he was totally invested in OU football. But it was, it was always a, a Texas loss or a loss to Oklahoma State that got him going. So there you go. All right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. What else do we have? Let's have a look. Some recruiting questions for you I saw, too. Yes, indeed. Uh, Kyle in Broken Bow is sending us song lyrics, uh, attributing them to Mule Shoe. That's too, I, I, I don't need to get too deep in the weeds on that. That's a, way too long of a text. <laughs> Thoughts on the report? Arkansas donor is offering Arch Manning $3 million to sign with the Hawks. That was a fake tweet. It was a fake tweet. Like, people took that seriously? You know... Yeah, people can be easily fooled. Petaway and DeAndre Moore Jr. are the Sooners not in on these wide receivers. Uh, OU has moved on from DeAndre Moore. They're not recruiting him anymore. 
Jaquazy Petaway, he is taking an official visit with the Sooners on the Champion Barbecue weekend, June 3rd through the 5th. So that's a kid that the Sooners are very much in play for. Now they're going to have to do battle with Texas and Texas A&M and Ohio State and LSU, all the usual suspects. But it is encouraging that he's taken an OV because he does not take a whole lot of visits. This will be his third time back to Oklahoma in calendar year 2022. So at the very least, he has developed a propensity to keep showing up to Norman, yeah. which is a positive sign for Oklahoma. Parker, is this decommitment with Cozart something we should be really concerned about, or is there plenty of offers out there at that position, more or less? Are you concerned for the wide receiver position in 2023? Look, losing Cozart hurts. I don't want to sugarcoat that. Ashton Cozart is the number 164 overall prospect in the 24-7 sports composite. Uh, which factors in all of the rankings and all of the star assignments from all of the recruiting services out there into one aggregate ranking. And hes I, I would say he's still underrated at that slot. Ashton Cozart, in my mind, is most definitely one of the top 100 high school football players in America. He's a top 100 prospect for me. That is a loss that will hurt. However, here's what I do know, and here's why I'm not worried. There's never going to be any shortage of players who want to come play wide receiver at the University of Oklahoma. And it doesn't matter if they come via traditional high school recruiting. It doesn't matter whether they come via the transfer portal. Hello, J.J. Hester and L.V. Bunkley Shelton. Right, there are always going to be a throng of wide receivers that want to come to Norman and catch passes from whatever quarterback is the flavor of the year. And Dylan Gabriel is about to be the sixth different starting quarterback Oklahoma's had. In the last six seasons, it doesn't matter throughout all of that change, the lack of continuity at the quarterback position, and even in the midst of a change in the coaching staff and a very substantial one at that, I don't get the sense that Oklahoma is ever going to run short of wide receivers. Now, is it going to hurt every so often when they lose a guy like Ashton Kozart? Sure. Are there going to be fans that wonder why they stopped rooting, recruiting DeAndre Moore? Most definitely. But if there's one position that you're never really concerned about at Oklahoma next to quarterback, it's the wide receiver position. That's my take on it all, Mike. Okay, and uh, we talked about this in the first segment. Do you think this means Cole Adams gets an offer? I know that has been a question out there forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, look. What do you think? I'm going up to Tulsa to see Cole Adams in person later this week. Kind of going to get hopefully a better sense of where things stand between him and Oklahoma at that point. But I, I'm no longer holding out hope, Mike. I'm not. He's already booked an official with LSU. He's booked an official with Alabama. Oklahoma continues to drag their feet. I don't know if it's because their priorities are elsewhere. I don't know if it's because they just don't think he's good enough for whatever reason. Not something I've really been able to get a straight answer on. But what I do know is that at this point in time, if Cole Adams doesn't have the Oklahoma offer, then I can't count on it coming. I, I'm just past that point. Yeah, I hear you. All right, we're going to break right here. More of your texts on the way. 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. We're getting photoshops on the text line. We are? Yeah, how Parker really broke his elbow. You're arm wrestling some female. You didn't see that? No, I did. Hopefully, I'd win though. Who who is that that I'm arm wrestling? Is that just like a stock photo? I or can't tell. Is that someone specific? 
I don't think it's someone specific, but very creatively done. All right, we are here with you on a Monday. Uh, 247 Sports put out their list of the top 20 coaches in college football. You might get a little bit angry. Maybe not. We'll see when we get back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here on the Ref Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. This Saturday night, you can get outdoors at Riverwind Casino. Enjoy a great show from Night Ranger and Starship. And that is the start of Beats and Bites 2022 coming up Saturday night. This Saturday for the sixth year in a row, Coupeo Works and Riverwind presenting the Beats and Bites Festival back, bringing you the fun, the food, the festivities, the great music. And again, all the best local food trucks are going to be out there. Games for the kids. You can bring the pet. All of this is happening Saturday night, opening night. Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas. First show out this Saturday at Riverwind Casino. Get your tickets online right now at riverwind.com. That's riverwind.com. Or... Right there at the box office in the casino. Then in June, we've got a great show, a great show for you. Everclear with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something. The Randy Rogers Band also on July 9th. That'll be far followed by a fireworks display outside at Riverwind on July 9th. Scotty McCreary on July 30th. You can get your tickets again at Riverwind.com. They're only five bucks a piece. That's it. Just five bucks. Heck of a time. All the food, craft beer from Coop Ale Works, games for the kids. Again, you can bring the pets. Enjoy yourself outdoors with some great music. We started off with Night Ranger and Starship coming up this Saturday night. Another reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best. All right, how about the OU softball team? I mean, that was the equivalent of the 77 to nothing beatdown of uh, Dennis Franchoni in Texas A&M during the Bob that, Stoops era. Can you argue that was more lopsided than the 77 to nothing beatdown? Probably, yeah. Because if you think about it, 77 points is 11 touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. So in theory, 11 to 0 would be about akin in baseball slash softball terms to the 77-0 to thrashing that the Sooners put on A&M on the gridiron back in 2003. They not only scored 11 runs, they doubled that total. They scored 22 times. So I think there's an argument to be made that that beatdown was twice as severe as the Sooners' infamous 77-0 to thrashing of the Aggies in the days of Jason White. Yeah, it was uh, it was a a big time performance by Oklahoma, no doubt. And they have UCF coming up this weekend, which is going to be uh, crazy to see. You know, uh, Oklahoma uh, and whether or not Jordy Ball is going to pitch this weekend. Patty Gasso, you know, they're still trying to do what they can do. They're not going to jeopardize obviously her long term future. But UCF at Oklahoma game one will be Friday afternoon, three thirty on ESPN two, and then Saturday they'll play at one o'clock. That'll be on ESPN from Marina Heinz Field. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, no, not Sunday. It's the uh, this the third game. The if needed game would be Saturday after the first game. Oklahoma State uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oklahoma State will open with Clemson, eight thirty on ESPN two in Stillwater Thursday night. Friday, it's a five o'clock afternoon game on ESPN two, and then if needed, uh, time to be announced on Sunday. So there you go. We'll see what's going to happen with Jordy Ball. So, uh, anything else you did uh, in Bentonville, Arkansas over the weekend on vacation besides nurse a sore elbow? I mean, what is there to do? <laughs> They've got a pretty good museum into, over there. They've got the, the 
the Crystal Bridges. Yes. So I've I've been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I tell you what, when an hour into your weekend of mountain biking excursions, you break an elbow. There's really not a whole lot left to do. Yeah. Because you know everything touristy in Bentonville, unless you want to go to the museum, which, like I said, I'd already been to, requires you to be somewhat active, and you can only be so active. When you have one functional arm. What was really entertaining was trying to figure out what would be the easiest things to eat in Bentonville for the rest of the weekend. Because, you know, there are certain things that you need two hands to eat. Mm -hmm. Right? So, for me, we went to a little barbecue shop right across from our Airbnb on Friday afternoon when the sling was fresh. And I just, I I had to order a plate of barbecue nachos. Because nachos are one of those things that you can eat with one hand. I have a lot of a lot of those offerings at barbecue restaurants require two hands to eat. You kind of need two hands to eat a pulled pork sandwich, Mike. Otherwise, things get messy in a hurry. Yeah, for pulled pork, yes, absolutely. But uh, barbecue nachos sounds pretty tasty. Oh, it was delicious. Pretty, pretty good, no doubt. All right. Uh, by the way, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort System, sponsoring our first hour here on uh, Steel Man and Thune on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Whether you're looking to replace, maintain, or repair your AC system, call Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They're family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area for 15 years now. You can call them at 405-579-3113. That's 405 405- Five seven nine thirty one thirteen. You know we had a busy week last week. We've got a busy week this week. Softball regional beginning on Friday. Big Twelve baseball beginning at Globe Life Field in Arlington on Wednesday. NCAA golf championship in Scottsdale. Sooners and the Cowboys both there uh, at Greyhawk in Scottsdale, Arizona. We got a lot of things going on, man. We got a lot of things going on. The OU women's tennis team, man, great job, but they lose to Texas in the NCAA championship game uh, yesterday in Champaign, Illinois. But a tremendous year for the OU women's tennis team as well. So a lot of things happening. Another busy week is ahead for us here in the great state of Oklahoma. All right, we've got another hour to go. Joe Bettner is going to join us next hour. Eyes on Oklahoma. Sooner newsletter that'll be coming up at 135. We get a lot to talk about. More of your texts on the way. We're just getting warmed up for a Monday. Steel Man and Thune here on the Ref Radio Network. Our number two, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. Presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72. Remember, Exit 72 in Paul's Valley for a great deal on a car truck or SUV. And the great guarantee, oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel from the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Jimbo Fisher is still maintaining again that A&M is crystal clear, clean, pure as the driven snow. There's no issue with A&M. I mean, it's legal, right? You got to spend money to make money. You got to... Spend money to get good recruits, I guess, is the A&M philosophy. Here's what Jimbo said last night defending A&M again on KSAT, KSA-TV in San Antonio last night. Here's the Aggies head coach. Does, does, you believed it. You just asked me. Sure. Does that change anything? What's it change? N- nothing's just changed in the beginning. Truth. Truth. What's the truth? Nobody wants the truth. You want a story and a click and a hit. Think. What's the next question? See, I threw you off your game right now. Well, you're, no. off, you're off your game. You're out of question. <laughs> not, definitely not out of question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so how does that change the? That doesn't change the, anything. Because I know the truth. And I've always known the truth. That's why. I, then that's why, why would I'm, he make that accusation? Have to ask him. Again. Uh, just let me handle it. 
Why would he make that accusation, though? If, if it's why did you why did you make that accusation? I didn't make any accusations. I don't know. You have to ask him. Has he apologized to you at all? No, we haven't talked. And would you accept his public apology? I said we're not talking. But he publicly apologized. Do you accept that? I didn't read it. I don't read social media. We said it on serious accent, but whatever. That's I didn't. I don't. I don't. I don't listen to radio. I don't listen to that. Gotcha. Gotcha. There you go, Jimbo. Okay, Jimbo. Last night talking about. And by the way, his claim was of the early enrollees at A&M of the eleven, only one has an NIL deal. That's what Jimbo claimed last night. So he thinks all of this smoke about A&M is a bunch of you know social media. It's a social media creation. That's what he was trying to defend last night. What do you think? He just came off as hostile and defensive. I love it when the SID is like, let me handle this. Oh, that was the SID. See, I was trying to figure out what all was happening there. It's just It was very chaotic. I think it was somebody from A&M was trying to say, we're not going to talk about this, and trying to step in, and Jimbo said, let me handle it. So – he wouldn't let his handlers handle. Well, yes, actually, he is letting his handlers handle big money. No doubt about that. But last night, in terms of the interview, that's what happened in that situation when he was talking to uh, KSAT in San Antonio. By the way, uh, Joe Bettner is going to be joining us today at 135, Eyes on Oklahoma Sooner Newsletter, dealing mainly with football, but really all OU sports. So that will be coming up at 135 today. Uh Top 20 coaches heading into next season, according to 247 Sports, your man Riley Gates. You know Riley Gates? I don't know him personally, but, I mean, we're all we're all in this enormous slack together, so mm-hmm. anybody I don't know personally, I've definitely exchanged slacks with them at some point. All right, well, uh, what do you think? Let's see how many of the top 10 current college football coaches you can get. Let's check off. The top ten. Parker Thune, start naming names. Okay. I'm right. gonna I'm gonna go ahead out on a limb here and say that Brent Venables is not on the list because not on that's the, list. the only reason you'd be bringing it up. Well, it's uh, hard to say. You can't really evaluate Brent as a head coach now, right? I mean, whether you think it's a good yeah, hire yeah, or sure. not. So I'm gonna say Nick Saban. One. Yep. Dabo Sweeney. Three. Oh, interesting. Ryan Day. Six. Lincoln Muleshoe Riley. Four. Overrated. He's at four? Overrated. Kirby Smart. Number two. Who does number two want for Georgia? Okay. Kyle Whittingham from Utah. Eight. Probably hey, there should. We go. Would you rather have Kyle Whittingham or Muleshoe? I think I'd rather have Kyle Whittingham. Now, if you throw the recruiting it, in, yeah, and it, Muleshoe, you know. But here's the thing. If Kyle Whittingham had a program to recruit to. That's true. Like if, you, if you gave him a big-time Power 5 job, because Utah is not. Utah is not a big-time Power 5 job. No. Kyle Whittingham probably should be somewhere in the top five or six. I'm going to say Mike Gundy's on this list. Mike Gundy's number 10. Okay. I'm close. How many do I have? Do I have seven? You need one, two, three more. Three more. Okay. Who am I not who, – or who am I forgetting? Brian Kelly has to be on the list. Brian Kelly, number seven. Jim Harbaugh. Number nine, number nine, number nine. So there's only one left, right? Yes. Who is it? Wait, hang on. Don't tell me who it is, but where is he ranked? Number five. 
Number five. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a pretty big name that yes. I'm missing here. Huh, interesting. I'm trying to go. Okay, it's not James Franklin. He hasn't won anything yet. James Franklin, number 15. Yeah, I was about to say. He's he's not up. Who would be up there? Can I give you Maybe, a hint? Is it going to give it away? Maybe, yeah, probably. Uh, no, don't give, don't give it away to me. I want to have another minute to think about this. Uh, while I think, tell me where Brent Venables is ranked. Brent Venables is nowhere in the top 20. He just This guy just named the top 20 coach oh, okay, he's okay. heading into next year. Is Marcus Freeman in the top 20? Marcus Freeman is not. Okay. I am missing someone at number – it couldn't be Dave Aranda yet. Dave Aranda, number 11. Yeah, it's, okay, so he's right off the – Right off the top. Oh, 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 it's Jimbo. It is Jimbo. It's Jimbo. (laughs) The angry Aggie, Jimbo Fisher, yes. So Saban one, Kirby Smart two, Dabo three, Mule Shoe number four, Jimbo Fisher number five, and then we have Ryan Day at six, Brian Kelly at seven, Kyle Whittingham of Utah number eight, number nine, Jim Harbaugh, number 10, Mike Gundy. I'd rather have Mike Gundy than uh, Jim Harbaugh, but Harbaugh, you know, they had a good year last year. It's kind of hot and cold, it seems like, with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Dave Aranda, number 11, Matt Campbell, number 12, Matt Campbell... They were supposed to have the greatest team in Iowa State history last year, and they turned out to be a disappointment because Brock Purdy was always a a let's blow the game turnover play away, you know, every other snap it seemed like. But do you think that Matt Campbell, his window isn't closed for a bigger job yet, but it's certainly not cracked open as wide as it used to be? Yeah. Maybe he's just an Iowa State guy. Here's the thing. I, Matt Campbell just—he must really love or uh, he must really love Iowa State because I don't think his stock was ever going to get any higher or will get any higher than it was after the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. That was when he should have taken a bigger job if he wanted one, because Iowa State was coming off arguably the best season in program history. I mean, they—they they won what an abbreviated season, granted, but I'm pretty sure they won nine games. I mean, Campbell was – I mean, he was getting a lot of buzz for yeah, the Michigan job. Absolutely. There were people speculating that Jim Harbaugh was going to get fired. Uh, a lot of people speculating that maybe he'd be in it for the USC job when Clay Helton, who was a sitting duck at that point, like he was – well, a lame duck is more like it. He was a dead man walking at USC for probably two years before they fired him. So there were some big-time jobs that Matt Campbell's name was getting thrown around for, but – he decided to stick with Iowa State. Now, at this point, it looks like he may have to stick with Iowa yeah, State for a while it because does. it's going to be a while before he can build his stock as a coach back up to where it was after the conclusion of the 2020 season because Iowa State's going to take a hit. They lost a lot of talent, a oh, lot of production man. from yeah, last year's team. Yeah, absolutely they did. Uh, so, they had, again, Dave Aranda, 11, Matt Campbell, 12. Kirk Ferentz, who's been at Iowa now. This will be his 24th year upcoming. Number 13, Paul Christ of Wisconsin, 14. James Franklin, Penn State, 15. Then Mark Stoops at Kentucky. They were 10-3 and three last year. Mark Stoops has done an unbelievable job. Unbelievable job at Kentucky. They're 33-17 and 17 in their last four years in these 4-0 and in bowl games. Uh, number 17, Dave Clawson of Wake Forest. Number 18, Lane Kiffin of Old Miss, number 19, Mario Cristobal of Miami, and number 20, Mac Brown of North Carolina. Those are the top 20 coaches, according to 247 Sports in a poll they released last night. You see, they also released their top 25 quarterbacks in college football for 2022. And 
You want to take a guess at where Dylan Gabriel was? Dylan Gabriel ranked 12th. Not even close, actually. Really? Yeah. You want to take another guess? Wow. Okay. Um, so he's either top five or, like, bottom five. Hmm. 21. He's top five. Really? Yeah. yeah. It, my, he, so he's wow. Twenty four seven sports ranks okay. Dylan Gabriel the number four quarterback in there college you go. football. I always the twenty twenty two season. The only guys that are ahead of him mm-hmm. are defending Heisman Trophy champion Bryce Young. Yep. C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud and Quinn Ewers. Well, no. <laughs> Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. That makes okay. Well, that's. I don't know. Do you think that's high? Quinn Ewers was low on the list. Good. Like, he was in the mid He hasn't done anything yet, man. Finally, uh, some Texas reality. Well, that's good because I've seen some of those transfer, uh, you know, some everybody's tweeting out stuff all the time, and uh, I can't even remember what the site was, but it, it had even transfer quarterbacks, like top five transfer quarterbacks. Uh, and Dylan Gabriel wasn't on the list. So I was thinking, well, maybe they're going negative again. So, we'll see. Can't wait to see, you know, what Jeff Levy's offense looks like with him at the helm. It's going to be fun to watch how it plays out. This is going to be um, a really interesting year for Oklahoma. And it can't get started soon enough. You know, this is going to be a long summer in terms of waiting for Oklahoma football. But people are curious to see what it's going to be like post-Muleshoe. And maybe between that time, something great will happen, like Muleshoe gets speared by that marlin on deep, a deep-sea fishing trip or something. And again, no significant injuries, but some bodily harm involved. KAOS Sooner on the text line asks, Hey, I'm just getting to lunch. Can you give quick thoughts on Cozart? I missed anything you might have gone over. Yeah, so he flipped to Oregon. <laughs> that all happened really fast. What, the visit wasn't even confirmed on Wednesday, and then by Sunday... Uh, he was an Oregon Duck. One of those deals where uh, you didn't really want to believe. I certainly didn't think that given the history and Cozart's relationship, not just with the Sooner coaching staff, but with Jackson Arnold, I did not think he was going to flip. I figured he'd yeah. stick with Oklahoma. But at the end of the day, you do understand it because Oregon has been playing the NIL game and will continue to. And Cozart calls the Pacific Northwest home. He's from the state of Washington, so he's familiar with the area. It it makes sense. It's not something that a lot of Sooner fans agree with. There are certainly some people that disagree with the way Cozart went about it, uh, kind of keeping everything under wraps until the last second uh, and then announcing his flip. But regardless of what you think about it, you do kind of understand how and why it all went down. Here is uh, my impression of a redneck Oklahoma fan way too involved with kids and recruiting in a response to uh, Ashton Cozart. Good riddance, man. Go duck yourself, all right? (laughs) Very nice. Very well done. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a break right here. Mike Steely, Parker Thune. It is Monday. Steelman and Thune at noon. We have ventured into the 1 o'clock hour. We have Joe Bettner coming up at 1.35. And we want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, sponsoring our second hour. Exit 72 in the Valley for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV. Great guarantee. Oil changes. Engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. We shall return. Keep it here. 
Joe Bednar will join us. Eyes on Oklahoma Sooner newsletter coming up at 135, covering mainly football, but uh, all other sports as well. So Joe will join us again on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000. Coming up here in a little bit. Hope your Monday's going well. It's going to be rainy, rainy, rainy today, and I think uh, tomorrow as well. I don't mind this. I like some overcast. We need uh, we need some water. We need some rain. Shay's gardening. Need some rain. She's been gardening. Uh, very, very dedicated gardener, my wife. And uh, it's going to be raining most of the day tomorrow as well. So. Anyway, good to have you with us. Joe Bedner again coming up here in about 15 minutes. Uh, PGA Championship over the weekend. I thought uh, Tulsa did a great job. And uh, Justin Thomas obviously hung in there, waited for the door to open. And once it swung open, he was able to walk right through it and win the Wanamaker Trophy of the second of his career, beating Will Zalatoris in a three-hole playoff. That tee shot on 17 was the big one. What a rocket that was. Unbelievable. So, you think about major winners now at Southern Hills going all the way back. I'm talking about, you know, the uh, the men and not like the U.S. Amateur and the Tour Championship. Major winners, Tommy Bolt, Dave Stockton, Hubie Green, Ray Floyd, Nick Price, Retief Goosen, Tiger, and now Justin Thomas. But uh, JT entering the final round was seven shots back. He actually fell to eight behind after he bogeyed the third hole. So how was he able to fight his way back and win the PGA Championship? Here's Justin Thomas. Uh, I mean, a lot of self-belief, a lot of patience. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't looking at leaderboards today. I was just trying to play golf. It kind of goes back to what I said on, uh, on Thursday of just not trying to play golf swing, not trying to play, you know, the field, not trying to play to a certain person, really just trying to execute each shot. Um, as well as I could, and then wherever it ended up, you know, just give my club to Bones and let's move on and try to do the best we can on the next one. And he did an unbelievable job of keeping me in the moment and keeping me patient today. And, um, yeah, I mean, it just is an unbelievable team win for all of us. There you go. And, uh, yeah, Bones on the bag. Phil's old caddy wins. Let's see, Bones had five major wins with Phil. So that's his sixth major overall. Five of those with uh, with Phil Mickelson, and again yesterday with Justin Thomas. Um, so I believe that's correct. Anyway, JT with uh, you know he blew up on Saturday. He shot sixty seven Thursday, sixty seven Friday, seventy four, and all those you know, the wind and the cold and everything. He blew up with a seventy four, and then a sixty seven yesterday. So Mito Pereira had this tournament right there. He had one hand on the Wanamaker Trophy, but Man, you talk about a guy who didn't seem committed to his uh, his swing on that tee box at 18. It was Mito Pereira and uh, found a watery grave in the creek there. <laughs> That's like Peter Alice. Oh, that ball has found a watery grave. And uh, leads to a double bogey and doesn't even make the playoff. Justin Thomas, Will Zalatoris. And uh, JT birdies two of the three holes. So, locally, uh, you look at Taylor Gooch was at plus one. Ricky Fowler, plus two. Uh, Victor Hovland was at plus five. Alex Norn missed the cut. Matthew Wolf missed the cut. But the uh, highest-ranking local, OU-OSU ties, Abe Answer finished 19th. He played well. Didn't play his best golf yesterday. 
uh, with a 73, but 67, 69, 70, and 73. Tiger Woods withdrew after the third round, blew up with a 79 in those difficult conditions. He had to play early with Sean Norris Saturday morning. It was pretty brutal out there on a tough golf course. And uh, Tiger, obviously, looked like he was going to shoot in the low 80s, but he was able to get it together over the last four or five holes and get out of there with a 79. So Tiger, 74 Thursday, 69 Friday to battle and make the cut, and a disappointing 79 what if you were- on uh, Saturday. And then Tiger uh, withdrew after Saturday's round. So Kerry Cosby and the folks at Southern Hills, I think, did a tremendous job. Uh, I saw a few people, man, Tiger needs to just give it up. He's embarrassing himself out there. No, he's not. The dude fought his guts out to make the cut over the weekend. He's, he's, ma- also, he's also Tiger Woods. That's right. He- like, how many people were writing off Tiger Woods a decade after his last major win in 2008? How many people seriously thought that he was going to contend for another green jacket in 2019 when he pulled off one of the most improbable Masters wins in recent memory. Yeah. When you're talking about the greatest of all time, and that's what Tiger Woods is to me, I don't know if that's recency bias, I don't know if that's just my youth, but to me, Tiger Woods is golf. When you're talking about a guy like that, why why would you advocate for them to hang it up? Even I don't know. Maybe somebody just done. looking for attention like, on social media. And it's not like I saw a ton of those, but I saw some, man, just give it up, Tiger. You don't need to be doing this. But if he wants to do it, fine. He he already won. And I know that he's in his 40s now. It's it's a lot different than when he won at Torrey. Look, that was with a broken leg when he beat Ryko in the U.S. Open. That was, you know, nearly 15 years ago. I get it. But... Uh, you know, I still think if he gets better on that leg, and he should, that, um, you know, he could still make a run at Augusta. If he's going to win another major, he could make a run at Augusta. Do I think he will? Probably not. This one's probably too big of an ask, but, you know, I like seeing him out there. And, man, it, it's clearly it makes him happy. You've seen a different Tiger out there, a more jovial, relaxed not the, uh, you know, the sniper assassin that he used to be where he barely talked to anybody or acknowledged anybody when he was just out there kicking, you know what, and taking names in every tournament. Uh, he's, in, he's in a good spot right now. Didn't he shoot under par on Friday, too? Yeah, 69. Exactly. Yeah. He shoots four sixty nines at Southern Hill this past weekend. He's in a tie for third. And obviously, look, we can play the what-if game all day with any of the golfers in this field, but that's... That is to say that if Tiger Woods develops the consistency and the endurance to play even average rounds Thursday through Sunday, he's a guy that just because of the talent that he has and the natural God-given ability that he has to play the game, he's going to be in contention for tournament wins and major championships over the next few years as long as he doesn't physically decline. Yeah, And I think that's the concern right now with Tiger – it's not about the talent level because he's still an excellent golfer. There's no denying that. But no, he hits the ball well. It, it's about whether he can still be on the same level come Saturday and Sunday that he is on Thursday and Friday. And how much can he practice? How effectively can he practice? Because he used to be a maniac out there hitting golf balls. And, again, it's the physical limitations. How much are those going to set him back? The leg's going to get better over time. 
Uh, you just hope he doesn't re-injure it. You know, he was, I think it was it before Friday's round or Saturday's round when he was out there chipping beforehand. I think it was on Saturday, actually, that he kind of slipped on the wet grass out there. And you're like, no. Okay, but he, he saved it. It wasn't that bad. But, you know, something like that could set him back again. And the thing is, he's only going to play major championships. He might play the Memorial Jacks tournament or something like that. So he's And Tiger never played a full schedule anyway. But preparation, practice time, uh, that, you know, is going to affect him as well. But I still like seeing him out there. Was it rough to watch him struggle and play the way he did Saturday? Yes, but he's still Tiger Woods. And guess what? The largest crowds out there, again, Saturday with Tiger out of contention were for Tiger. So, anyway. All right, but overall, Southern Hills did a great job. It was great to see a major uh, in Tulsa. And uh, I thought, again, uh, I felt bad for Mito Pereira. But, you know, it led to his mistake on 18, led to a fantastic finish and a really good memory for Southern Hills with JT winning in that three-hole playoff against Will Zalatoris. Will Zalatoris has been in uh, contention a bunch of times in his early career in these majors. and uh, He's going to get one. He he definitely has the game, man. He definitely has the game. He's He's an inconsistent putter. But man, he can he can bomb the well, ball. His college coach at Wake Forest said he's the best college iron player I've ever seen. So that's good he, player. Yeah, and you got to keep in mind, if he hadn't yanked that short par putt on mm-hmm. sixteen, yeah. he wins this tournament outright. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I saw you getting fired up about the PGA on Twitter yesterday. Yeah, I know it there was outstanding. It, was, it was outstanding. That ending gave us everything we wanted, everything we needed. It's unfortunate it had to come at the expense of. A legendary meltdown by Mito Pereira, but you couldn't have scripted it much better for the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. Yeah, it was good stuff. All right, we'll break right here. We've got Joe Bettner coming up. By the way, NBA playoffs tonight. You've got Miami at Boston game four. Tyler Hero is going to be out. Jimmy Butler is going to go through warm-ups and see if he can play. So there's a chance that Jimmy Butler plays tonight. Tyler Hero is definitely out and keep in mind that he also just got Kyle Lowry back, and they won game three in Boston uh, Saturday. So we'll take a break right here, talk with Joe Bettner when we get back. Yes, we are back. That is in competition with Brandon Drums Open for the greatest host open right there. I mean, if Joe Bettner were a professional wrestler, he would definitely walk into that, right? I would think so. Yeah, absolutely. And – uh the crowd would love it. Absolutely. Joe, how are we doing on this Monday? Doing good. Just resurfacing some my prof- professional wrestling career aspirations. But, you know, good Monday. That would be an excellent, again, walk-in uh, tune for you right there. No doubt about it. Okay, uh, let's start with Sooner Women's Softball. And, uh, you know, you can look at some of the uh, the later season games, and it depends on the pitching that you go up against, obviously. And, they ran into that in the loss of Texas. They ran into that somewhat, obviously, in the Oklahoma State game uh, that they lost. But, man, the Sooner Bats uh, really came to life. And that was – we likened that 20 to nothing victory yesterday to the old Bob Stoops 77 to nothing victory over Dennis Franchoni in A&M in football. So, what about the state of the Sooners now as they get ready for the Super Regional? I mean, this is kind of the thing that I think a lot of what Oklahoma was building toward, I think what they're kind of waiting for. I mean, it's no secret that if you win your games, you get in the winner's bracket and you get to Sunday and you don't have to play twice, you know, the the, the day before, you're going to be a lot better off. And you just kind of sense that Texas A&M, just kind of the wheels falling off a little bit. 
just right from the start. And Oklahoma, with how good and talented they are, just you know, across that lineup, I mean, you are you you might be able to get through them, you know, through the order once and be okay. But once you're seeing them the third and fourth time uh, over the course of a weekend, I mean, you're just you're gonna get, you're bound to give up runs. So. Um, a, a great day for Oklahoma softball. A lot of credit needs to go to JT, Cat, uh, JT Gasso, the assistant coach, um, and uh, he has been uh, just—he's done wonders with that group, man. I mean, they—they they really showed a lot of things that I, I don't know if it was a situation where they were trying to hold back throughout the regular season, but you just saw some so, something a little bit different uh, from them over this week, and not just in that Texas A&M game, but. Uh, you know, against Prairie View A&M and then A&M, you know, on Saturday. So it's a great overall weekend for Oklahoma softball. Joe, what do you think, what do you make of the Jordy Ball situation? How likely is it that she returns versus how likely is it that she just gets shut down? And what do you think of the Sooners' chances to take home the WCWS title in the hypothetical absence of Jordy Ball? I still think that this team is going to be a load to deal with for any uh, for any team that they go up against. And you've seen, if you've been following college softball this weekend, there's been a lot of just uh, a lot of chaos, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, the big thing for Oklahoma, and you kind of saw it a little bit last year, I mean, you know, if you run into someone like an Odyssey Alexander from a James Madison, you know, you run into just a really dominant pitcher. I mean, that's going to be the key to beating Oklahoma as it has been the past few years, just because it's been such an offensive heavy team. Uh, but they've won it like that before, and I think that Hope Trotwine and Nicole May showed a lot of poise, a lot of composure, put together some really good innings over the course of this weekend. As far as Jordy Ball goes, uh, just all of what we've been hearing is that you know they're hopeful that she'll return. It sounds you know more likely that it would be the Women's College World Series where she comes back, which it would be a you know a, a strange kind of parallel between last year where you know Giselle Juarez was pretty much out the entire season. And then come World Series time, she is, you know, the, the kind of the dominant pitcher fans had, you know, come to expect. So I think Jordy eventually does return, um, unless that, I mean, she, she's in a soft cast at, this, uh, at the moment, but it looked, looked good in the dugout, you know, still supporting the teammates. Didn't look to be in too much pain. And I don't want to read too much into just, you know, body language, but, I mean, just from what we've been hearing from, from Coach Gasso, um, it seems like there's a good chance that she'll, she'll, she will make that return. I'm just not so sold, I guess, that it will be this weekend. Joe Bedner with us, Eyes on Oklahoma Sooner newsletter. What do you make of the whole blow-up with uh, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher last week? I mean, I wish we could do that every week. I mean, that was a great Thursday morning, I think, for all of us. Yes, um, it was. Would love, would love that every time. I mean, it's, it's a hilarious thing that now that – he said that, and I said this on Twitter, but he's, now he's got Jimbo Fisher kind of, you know, he's like, well, now I've kind of painted myself in the corner, and I kind of have to under-report the amount of NIL deals I'm getting, and I feel like that could be some negative recruiting, just like, you know, we only have one guy with an NIL deal that's a early enrollee, and so I don't know if Nick Saban's just playing chess or whatever he's doing, but it was fantastic. But it does, I mean, it shines a light on the sport. I don't know who said this also. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always on Twitter, um, so... Just I saw someone say that it's, it, it's funny seeing the national media kind of talk more and more about the, the quote-unquote cheating that goes on in college football. I, I'm glad that we've got this out in the open. Like I want to talk about this more because I think it's something that a lot of people that uh, follow college football on a more casual level just don't understand that this is the kind of thing that like 
you know, it's uh, it, it's not the cleanest sport, I guess is probably the nicest way to put it. There's a lot of stuff that goes on, and I'm kind of glad that coaches and media alike are finally talking about it. Um, if, there, if, there is, if there is ever any change, this is how it starts. Um, but it's uh, it, from the Jimbo and Nick Saban press conference standpoint, though, it's just terrific entertainment. Okay, Joe, so who does Brent Venables need to beef with? Now we have the Saban-Fisher rivalry. Who's the logical rival for Brent Venables? Um, man, I mean, I guess, wouldn't, wouldn't it be Dabo? I mean, that's the logical one. I mean, that's his old boss. I mean, I guess it'd be kind of weird just because Brent Venables has kind of been the, the guy that's, you know, been, uh, super loyal to Dabo. His, his son is praises is essentially, you know, impl- implementing a lot of Clemson like policies at Oklahoma. I mean, it would be strange as all can be if he like all of a sudden was like, Hey, you know, that Bob Stoops guy. Yeah, he wasn't the best, but I don't think he's going to win any uh, win any favor with OU fans if he were to go after Bob. That's a good question. That's a really good question. Why Maybe not Muleshoe? Come after Lincoln Riley. Let's go. Yes. I mean, he's kind of thrown out some uh, at the caravan. I don't know if intended or not, you know, saying the, how nonchalant the program was. I don't know if he was trying to send a message that, you know, when he arrived at OU that it was just a little bit uh, more laid back and uh, – uh, I don't know if he's uh, going to, you know, take a, a few shots here and there at uh, at old Lincoln, but uh, I, w- I would I would very much welcome. So, what is a uh, a really good start? I mean, you can talk about the you know national championship, Big Twelve, but where should the bar be set for Brent in his first season, and what would be a situation that would be a disaster for him in his first year? I think the bar for Oklahoma football should probably be is a 10 and two season. When, when the big 12 get to a new year, six bowl, I still think that Oklahoma has all the talent to do that. And I think they've got the coaching staff to do that. Pure disaster would just kind of, I think would be somewhat like a 2014 type season where they just lose a bunch of one, one loss games. And, you know, Ford, I mean, I, you know, go look at Nebraska last year. They, they lost a bunch of one-loss games. But, uh, you know, the, they were in a lot more trouble than I think what I'm kind of referencing with 2014 because if you go look back at that 2014 OU team, a few plays go their way, they're, they're back in a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah. But I, I think that 10-2 and two, Big 12 championship, I think that's reasonable, especially just kind of looking uh, around the Big 12. And I'm not trying to discredit what winning the conference this year would mean, but – Go look at the quarterbacks, how many new quarterbacks there are. Uh, There's a lot of talent to be replaced in this conference. Oklahoma recruits at a level to where it shouldn't matter as much to them. So I I think Big 12 title is a a reasonable expectation for Oklahoma. Yeah, and and part of the disaster would probably have to be, well, would be a Texas loss and an Oklahoma State loss. That gets fans very upset, very upset. That's what, you know, Gary Gibbs lost – too many games, number one, but he lost the wrong games, too. You know, to Oklahoma State, uh, to Colorado, to Nebraska. Back in the day, Colorado, when they were going great. So, But, uh, you know, winning coaches, the most successful Oklahoma coaches also do well against Texas. And uh, that's going to be huge moving forward for Brent as well. All right, Joe, we appreciate your time. Eyes on Oklahoma, Sooner football newsletter. It covers everything Oklahoma. And uh, Joe does an excellent job. So uh, eyesonoklahoma.com. Find out how to sign up, eyesonoklahoma.com. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you guys.
Joe Bettner joining us here on this Monday. Yeah, you you need to be successful against Texas. That's very important. And Oklahoma State, it's almost like OU fans think you just you just can't lose to Oklahoma State. Maybe once every decade, but the Texas losses are, you know, you got to keep those to a minimum as well. All right, stay with us. Coming right back. Okay, it is a Monday. Welcome back. Recruiting news over the weekend, not good for the Sooners, but you kind of felt like it was leaning in that direction that Ashton Kozart was going to wind up an Oregon Duck. And yes, he waddled right into that commitment in uh, Eugene, Oregon this weekend. Committing to the Oregon Ducks, so the Sooners now have uh, Jackson Arnold, Joshua Bates, Eric McCarty and Caleb Spencer committed for 2023. 37th overall, Parker. Sooner fans, how patient are they going to be? How patient are they going to be? Just we've talked about for this. The barbecue. We've talked Just about this being relax. long term. And the, the barbecue's coming. The barbecue is on the way. Two weeks away. Yeah, but you know what the problem is, Thune? They're getting barbecued right now. That's the problem. <laughs> Tell me to wait for a barbecue. They're already getting barbecued. They're getting barbecue with a side of NIL dollars. That's right. The NIL sauce, uh, that's the most popular sauce right now in some places. So, uh, Cozart, you said uh, even last Thursday when this we started you know, getting wind of this that you thought it was leaning in the direction of Oregon and that uh, that was probably going to be the case, and that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, it, look, if he was going to flip, it was going to be for Oregon. He wasn't going to reopen his recruitment. But I actually – I was pretty confident that he was going to circle back around to Oklahoma and that he'd end up at Oklahoma because the relationships were so rock solid there. I mean, he was – Ashton Gozart was helping Jackson Arnold recruit the rest of the class at, the, at Oklahoma. And then the, in the span of a week, boom, he's gone. This doesn't do anything to the solidity of the Jackson Arnold commit, does it? No, it does not. There's been, and there always will be speculation about that, but there's a reason Jackson Arnold committed nine days after he got the offer from Oklahoma. It's because Oklahoma's always where he wanted to be. He was going to go to Ole Miss to play for Jeff Lebby, Mm -hmm. but then Jeff Lebby took the OC job at Oklahoma. Jackson Arnold grew up an Oklahoma fan. It all just made sense. It all made sense. And so, yes, Jackson Arnold's commitment is secure. Uh, kind of fortuitous for the Sooners' sake that they avoided the headache that would have been the Jaden Rashada sweepstakes because that's just been nonstop for the last few months, man. It just it trends in one direction, then it trends in another, then there's this school that's involved, then this, there's this other school that has a large NIL collective offer out there on the table. It's gotten to be more trouble than it's worth with Jaden Rashada, I'm afraid. And like he's going to be a stud at the collegiate level wherever he goes, but for every one of the schools that doesn't get Jaden Rashada, eh, you're going to wish you had those few months back because, man, that's been a constant, constant headache on the recruiting trail. Yeah. No doubt. All right, let's get a couple texts in real quick before we get out of here. We're approaching uh... – Gibbs never lost OSU. Did I say Gary lost OSU? No, that's that's correct. If I said that, I was mistaken. I was implying that you you can't lose to certain teams. If I said Gary lost Oklahoma State, that, yeah, you're right. That did not happen. Gary, his problem was losing to Texas 
a lot of times in heartbreaking fashion and losing to Nebraska and Colorado. Now, they did beat Nebraska, that Mickey Joseph Nebraska team in Norman, but that was mainly, you know, his, his problems against Texas, Nebraska, and Colorado. But, yeah, he, he didn't ever lose to Oklahoma State. I love this question. Is Kill Gundy a legit receiver coach? There are people, Mike, and look, there, there are extremists everywhere, but there are people that in the aftermath of Ashton Cozart's flip want to see Kale Gundy demoted to an administrative role. What? And put someone else on field as the receiver's coach. That's a sentiment. That is an actual thing. You know what Kale Gundy has done for this program? Yes, sir? here we go. Here you we go. You know what he's done? Unload he's the clip. He's been 100% the University of Oklahoma. I mean, gee, many Christmas. That's probably a dude who is tweeting at Ashton Cozart. Like I said, a grown man expressing his displeasure with a 17- or 18-year-old kid. That's probably the dude who was tweeting that stuff, you know, that tweets at recruits like that. Not congrats or whatever, and that's kind of creepy too. But, um, you know, well, good riddance, man. We didn't need you. That kind of guy. There was a, there was a message board screenshot that made the rounds on Twitter earlier this week. Where people were saying, yeah, Kale Gundy can't connect with young black kids anymore because he's about to lose Ashton Cozart. First off, Ashton Cozart's not black, Mm. which is your first indication that whoever wrote that is a casual at best. And secondly, we're, we're still talking about the same guy that recruited Adrian Peterson to Oklahoma, aren't we? That's just so reactionary and so stupid. If we want to take a look... At all of the recruitments over the years that Kale Gundy has been a keystone in. You start with Adrian Peterson, but that's not the, that's not even the half of it. Joe Mixon, C.D. Lamb. Talk about the two transfers that they, they just brought in, J.J. Hester and L.V. Bunkley Shelton. Kale Gundy has been on staff at Oklahoma, what, 22, 23 Well, let's see, Kale Gundy didn't play running back at OU, did he? Right? So how could he recruit running backs? He was a quarterback at Oklahoma. If you're a good recruiter, you're a good recruiter. This is about him having ties back to that area, the Pacific Northwest, as you talked about, and about NIL. It's not about Kale Gundy. Guess what? You don't win every battle, but he wins his fair share. Don't question Kale Gundy. Moreover. me? Are we going to ignore the fact that Kale Gundy helped keep the 2022 class together yeah. after Muleshoe torched everything on his way out of town? The two people that held that class together until Brent Venables got there were Kale Gundy and Bob Stoops. Yes, they did. And, uh, yeah, it's that's just crazy. But we used to, every now and then, some people in the uh, journalistic world would say, that's an MBI. What's that? Message board idiot. Oh, they're they're MBGs now. They're message, MBGs. Message board geniuses. Oh man, yeah, that's right. Because you have the it used to be MBIs back in the day. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 a little bit reactionary. That's a lot of bit reactionary. Okay, Riverwind Casino coming up this Saturday. S A T U R D A Y night with Night Ranger. And Starship, it is the first show of Beats and Bites 2022. Bring the kids, bring the pets, bring your appetite. All the best food trucks will be there. And get ready to rock, man. 
Rock and roll, man. Night Ranger, Starship, Sister Christian, straight into Don't Tell Me You Love Me, straight into Sarah, straight into We Built This City. And you can build a great time this weekend out at Beats and Bites 2022. Tickets online right now. Get yours only five bucks a piece at Riverwind.com. Night Ranger Starship this Saturday night. Be there. Locked in's coming up next. Have a great Monday.